We know how important a good CPAP mask can be for patients struggling with sleep apnea, but keeping patients compliant with their therapy isn't always easy. One of the challenges is the constant maintenance required by CPAP devices. If you've been struggling to get your patients to come in and get their supplies, it may be time to consider using a respiratory resupply program. But what do those look like and what do they cost? On today's episode, we'll discuss an upcoming webinar being hosted by representatives from both VGM Respiratory and VGM Fulfillment that will seek to answer questions like these and more. I'm here with Rhonda Burmaster, Director of Reimbursement with VGM Respiratory. Rhonda, welcome back to the program. I understand that you're a very popular guest. <laughs> yes, and thank you, and thank you for having me again. And I'm also sitting with Aram Susong, who is the Director of Customer Relations with uh, VGM Fulfillment. Aram, welcome to the show. I understand this is your first time with us? It is. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So the two of you are about to give a webinar on respiratory resupply programs, and I was hoping that we could get started by having you give just a brief overview of what one of those programs is and what it looks like for those listeners who might not be aware. Sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, uh, as VGM Fulfillment, we, we really look at respiratory resupply is our whole picture of what our business is and what it what it really is is for a DME or a, a provider to, to provide their patients with an ongoing resupply of the appropriate products that they need uh, to stay compliant and to stay healthy um, in, their, in their CPAP supply or their, their therapy that they're doing to um, continue to improve their life. So um, continuing to get these supplies at an appropriate time, number one, it helps the, the provider uh, with a steady cash flow of business. And number two, take care of patients so that they are living a healthier, better life um, by having the appropriate supplies at the appropriate time. So on, on a broad perspective, that's that's really the goal of this is to, to help the DME um, survive and thrive and help a patient um, live a better life. Okay. Well, Aaron, that sounds fantastic. Uh, and it also sounds kind of simple, but I suspect that that's a bit more complex than it sounds on the face of it. Obviously, down at Fulfillment, you're not just uh, throwing stamps and labels on boxes and sending them out. So, so Aram, what does it take in terms of people, tools, you name it, to get something like this off the ground? And how can our listeners go about identifying what specifically might work for them? Sure. Yeah, it does. It does look pretty easy on the surface, but when you when you dive into it and look at all the different pieces that are that that are part of a resupply program that that take it to make it work. Um, you know, there's there's purchasing, there's forecasting, um, receiving logistics. Um, you've got people to pick the packages. You've got a customer service team to deal with any issues of packages that went out. Um, you've got a sales team. You've got um, you know just general maintenance of buying supplies from boxes and postage to tape and um, you know a system to manage all of this to know where your product is and understand how much you have um, and then then the flow of orders coming through so there's there's a lot of uh, physical parts there's a lot of um, labor and there's also a technology aspect of it that that helps the, um, the the operation work successfully can you dive a little bit into the uh, technology aspect of an operation like this Aram? what kind of software tools does it take to make an operation like this uh, work effectively yeah, so um, for us, from, from the resupply end of it, um, there, there's kind of two sides of it. You'd have the resupply part, and then you'd actually have what a provider would use would be a billing software such as, um, you know, Brighttree, um, all the other um, 
the other Bonafide and USS and other uh, systems out there that actually handle the billing portion of it. Um, there's follow-up programs, so um, companies that will actually um, re um, other other companies that actually contact the patient to see if they're eligible and if they're wanting a resupply. So that's one side of it. But from the kind of the warehousing side, um, you know, there's there's tons of um, systems from scanners to so when a picker has to pick an order, uh, they need to know what to pick. So some people pick off a piece of paper. Um, our system uses a sophisticated system to minimize the amount of steps a picker has to take in a day, um, to minimize the amount of inventory that we have on hand so we have it just in time uh, for, for the packages that need to go out. So it's a sophisticated system that's understanding um, all of those aspects of it and then also receiving orders from tons of different systems outside of the industry um, to, to flow into our system and then report back to those systems. So we've got we've got people that, you know, they talk ones and zeros of coding and all of the, the <laughs> things that go into that's way beyond my expertise. So um, tons of smart people to, to make the thing work. All right. Well, speaking of smart people and making things work, I imagine that there's uh, some pretty hefty documentation requirements uh, that go into making a program like this run. Rhonda, I'd like to get you involved a little bit here. Can you tell our listeners how they might go about actually uh, billing their patients and then getting reimbursed for the products that they're supplying if they were to go ahead and try to implement a, a program like this? Sure. You know, Aram had spoke to about the having software that does the calling for your pa to your patients, an automated system. Um, as we know, we can, as you mentioned, you can automate automatically ship to a patient. So what the payers want, your Medicare's, your Medicaid's, your commercial payers, want that contact with the patient to make sure that they actually need the product. So these software is what they'll allow is, is that automated call so they, you, we can get the testimony basically that they need the product. So what the payers look for then are, okay, you need um, three items, let's say. You need the mask, the headgear, and tubing. So that the supplier's collecting that information, what's malfunctioning with that, those products, documenting all of that, the software does that. And that's what the payer needs to see. The patient does need it. Um, and then along with that, the supplier has to make sure they have a valid order to dispense it. Um, and the right, the correct documentation that the patient still needs it medically. And then, um, so once the product shipped, um, they'll already have all that information in hand, so it's not anything that's, I would say, being reactive to it. They want, the supplier will make sure they have all that information ahead of time. Um, so they have it in the patient's file, so then as, when they get the reporting from the fulfillment side of it, they can submit the claim and get paid. There are a lot of payers that will pay on it, three-month supply, which is what we encourage, obviously, because you want it's more efficient to do a three-month supply. Sure. But not all payers will do that. You'll see your Medicaid's may only do a month supply, and I'm sure there's some other commercial payers that will only allow a month supply. And if that's the case, that's fine. Just the important part of it is to, one, make sure you not only have your documentation, but two, that you're a part of a, of a system like this, and so you're not controlling that internally with the issues that can come up as far as inventory and staffing and whatever it may be. Um, but in order to get it paid properly is the orders, the documentation, the patient needs it. And then the final piece of it is once it's shipped and you're using a delivery system such as a FedEx, UPS, post office, having that confirmation of delivery. So that confirms that the patient actually received the product. So it, it's not 
sitting somewhere that the patient actually did receive it. So that's the final element of it. And that's what will be asked in an audit. So always say supplier, think about an audit and what you would get asked in an audit. And those are the elements that they'll look for. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, our listeners might be thinking, all right, I resupply my patients using a more traditional model where they come to my office and buy supplies from me directly. A program like this sounds great, but I don't really want to implement it myself or handle it in-house. It sounds complicated and I've got a practice to run. Uh, What options are available to uh, somebody who's in that position? Sure. In the industry, there's there's, uh, various companies that do it. Um, Ours is one, obviously, VGM Fulfillment. Um, There is there's kind of a broad range. We see some that that do it all themselves, and we see some that don't do any of it and allow somebody such as ourselves to do all of it. Um, I would say, and there's a, kind of a lot of mix in between, we still see people that do have those patients that walk in and they wanna see the person face-to-face and they wanna have those supplies available, so some will carry them. Um, but um, a, a lot of them are finding it very efficient to use somebody such as ourselves to to make this happen because you're able to um, spend more time dealing with growing the business or working with patients rather than worrying about logistics and uh, purchasing and all the other parts of it that go into it. Sure. So are there any reasons that the two of you can think of why a practitioner might be resistant to uh, implementing or making use of a program like this? It's what it's, you know, it's what they've always done. So change is hard, as we know, when we want to when implement a, a new program. A change is, is, is hard. They like to keep it internally because they like having someone in-house picking, a, picking the products, getting it prepped for a patient to pick up, and they get their patients to come in. And I always say, and I shared with you earlier, but I always say, when I looked at it when if I were still managing the DME I was at prior to BGM, I would be doing a resupply-type program. One, I know my RT would not be able to hit all my patients up to see if they need products. That's hard to do when you're taking care of patients, new ones, and continuing to troubleshoot any issues they have. So um, that's hard to keep up with that resupply when you're doing the actual phone calls and supplying the products and to keep up with the inventory. Inventory can be a nightmare when it comes to the masks because the manufacturers are great about coming out with new masks and the latest, greatest model that's, um, you know, that they've tested on that's the, the product to have. So um, to me, that's the challenge that suppliers would have. I would be implementing a resupply program. And I was a small DME, so I would look at offering this um, to my my patients. And they would appreciate it, I think, in the end, because um, they're getting their product right at home and they don't have to come in and pick it up. That is a really great perspective, Rhonda. I really appreciate you contributing that. Aram, what about from the resupplier's point of view? Are there reasons from a fulfillment perspective why our listeners might want to consider taking advantage of a program like this? Yeah, I would say from from the side of we're good at it. Um, we continue to find ways to be more efficient, to be better, to focus at um, you know driving costs down for for these for these um, services and allow the provider to continue to increase revenue and find patients and more referral sources and some of the things Rhonda had talked about, you know, focus on what they are good at is what is dealing mm-hmm. with patients. And I, I just see so many um, little nuances of, you know, getting product in and back orders from manufacturers. And, um, you know, we see a ton of people that they're left with obsolescent inventory that they've got capital tied up in 
that they could be using that in another place. So um, you know, we, we see tons of people, they'll, they'll purchase large quantities of inventory, they'll work through 80% of it, the manufacturer comes out with a new product that um, the patient does want because maybe it's more comfortable or fits better and um, a provider's left with obsolescent inventory that sits on their shelves. And us with the ability to hold multiple manufacturers, we can continue to hold some of that product that stays around longer and maybe a patient wants to continue to use that into the future and uh, the provider can be more progressive in their product and um, we can still hold other products that they don't need to hold anymore. Sure, that's an interesting point, Aram. There are plenty of patients who may want to hold on to an older product that they've gotten used to and that they enjoy using, but that might create a burden on a provider if uh, money and space are of the essence for them. Yes, slower, move, slower moving items that just take up space and um, could collect dust or, um, you know, the more it sits around, there's the more chance something happens with it. And, um, you know, obviously people want a fresh, new, uh, good looking product and not, not something that feels old. So sure. one thing I would want to add too, and what I've seen are suppliers that have hesitated getting into the program, doing a fulfillment type program or resupply with a, with outsourcing it, I guess, is when they do it internally, they have their person internally or two people, whoever, however many it may be, their quote-unquote fulfillment center internally. I look at all the inventory they have. That fulfillment person internally is the one looking at the documentation requirements. You know, they're taking care of, that's their baby, basically. Then I hear from the supplier, we're short-staffed. We need someone else to fill in a billing, a billing role, an intake role. Well, that could be your person if you outsource it because they already have the knowledge on the CPAP program, um, what documentation is required. They already have that knowledge. You don't have to train them to understand DME. So if you outsource it, you have that person that can fill the role that you're looking for. That's your answer. Sure, sure. So speaking of knowledge, you two, you're about to host a webinar. Why don't we uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what that's going to look like and uh, how they can get involved and access that? Yeah, so the title is Dear Resupply, Can You Save My Sleep Business? And kind of just tried to have a fun twist on on this similar conversation. And we'll we'll dive in a lot further to, you know, some of the costs associated with um, running your own resupply program that a lot of people don't, they don't really think about or um, they just haven't, you know, looked at it in a different light. So we'll really dive into a lot of those aspects of it. Uh, more from a business perspective. So it, it should be a good time. Um, and then Rhonda, you know, with all of her knowledge, she she's the, one of the best in the industry at this. So um, oh, if she'll, people will be uh, glad to pepper her with questions on, on the, the documentation and the, the reimbursement side of things. So Yeah, we're excited about doing this webinar. We'll have it on March 27th. So registration's open. It's free. We have CEUs tied to it for our RTs. They can get one and a quarter hours um, CEUs with ARC, AARC, excuse me. Um, so hopefully people will join in and listen and gain some knowledge from it and can make a good business decision from there if they're not, they've been, you know, on the edge with what they should do with their resupply. Is there a deadline on that registration at all? No, there is no deadline. You have up until that day of, so. Up until the point of broadcast. <laughs> That's right. Join us, please. Yes. Fantastic. Well, before we sign off here, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know, either about resupply programs or your upcoming webinar? I would say if anybody would like to discuss this prior to the webinar, if you're not able to make the webinar, uh, Rhonda or myself would be glad to talk to you at any time. And feel free to reach out to us at any time. This is uh, what we're here for, to discuss these things of 
how to keep the DMEs uh, growing and going in business. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. Rhonda, Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me.